we're going to look here in Psalms 51. We're going to begin reading verse number 13. And the Bible says this, Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I, do, would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they be then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Father, I pray you'd help me tonight. Lord, I thank you for how you've spoken to my own heart. Lord, uh, in, in today and this week, Lord, as I've meditated on these verses. And Lord, I just want to thank you that, Lord, you're a God that lets us come back when we get away from you. Lord, I thank you that you don't throw us away. You don't throw us, Lord, to, out to the wolves. But Lord, when we come back, you take us back. And Lord, you don't discard us, but you put us back on your wheel. And you begin to mold us and make us again. And I pray tonight that you'd help us to learn something from the experiences of the life of David. Lord, from this very dark and, and uh, evil time in his life, I pray, God, that you could help us here and now where we are and where we live. We love you tonight, Lord. I do thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be a preacher. I thank you, Lord, for giving me the responsibility, and Lord, and the, and the privilege, Lord, to stand and preach the Word of God tonight. And I pray that you'd help me to be careful in what I say. Help me to be careful, Lord. Guard my lips and guard my heart. I would not want to do anything to offend you tonight, Lord. I want to please you in all that I say and do. Lord, it's in your Son, Jesus Christ, that we pray and ask it. Amen and amen. amen. We've been hearing this psalm and preaching on the road to restoration. And where we're at tonight, we're, we're, last week was probably the hardest uh, section, I guess you could, of this psalm, dealing with the painful consequences of sin. And oh, tonight there is some very painful consequences in sin. When I was a boy growing up, I loved, I absolutely loved, absolutely loved sports. When I was, my, my, my parents didn't get the paper. You know, it cost like $5 a year. Couldn't do that, but just kidding, Daddy. But anyhow, so my granny got the paper at the Gainesville Times. And uh, Brother Glenn, I'd get the sports page every day. And I'd study it. I mean, I'd read it. I'd read every box score. I'd read every article. I mean, I'd read it. This is back when newspapers were actually newspapers and not political, you know, tools. But anyhow, I'd read the um, every, and I'd, I knew every player. I knew every, and I, and, and I just, I absolutely loved it. I grew up, I just loved it. And I mean, that's all, if you asked me when I was 8, 19, they'd say, what are you going to do? I, I'm going to play ball. What are you going to play? I don't care whichever one I can go pro in. Well, it's, I don't care. I'm baby baseball, maybe basketball. I'm just going to whichever one pans out, you know. And I mean, that's that was my dream, brother. There's no telling how many times I stood in the backyard. I played in the backyard in my grandma's house, throwing a baseball against the wall or shooting a basketball, kicking, throwing a football. But as you see, that didn't pan out. But what I'm trying to get to is this. In the process of all that, 
There's some consequences I had to pay. I, I tore one of my knees up in ninth grade. I tore my other knee up in 11th grade. Total Had to have total ACL, MCL. And now here I am 20 plus years later, and guess what? It still hurts. I was telling I busted my knuckles the other night, and I fell down a creek bank, and, and every now and again I'll step the wrong way, and that knee will, it'll, and I'll, and I'll be reminded of the, of the consequences of what I did. And you know, sin's the same way. It seems fun. It seems uh, like it's a good thing at first. Uh, one man said it like this. He said, the vestibule of sin is always beautiful. When you walk in its doors, it's decorated nice, and there's lovely music on, and Everything seems wonderful. When you walk into sin, it seems like the greatest thing you've ever done, the greatest thing you've ever been in. But when you get, when you get into the heart of it, it becomes a nightmare that ruins your life. There are some painful consequences to sin. And tonight, if you're in sin, and you're living in sin, and you claim to be a child of God, the best thing you can do is just get out of it as fast as you can. You see, if you're saved tonight, you've got an alarm system built in. I mean, I'm talking about if you're saved, it's called the Holy Ghost of God. That's why I don't think that God's called any of us to, to live anybody else's life for them. Because as a child of God, they, if somebody's got... Let me say this. If they won't listen to the Holy Ghost, what makes me think they're going to listen to me? And, and we've got an alarm system in our heart. That's, that's why we can't grieve the Spirit. We can't quench the Spirit. We don't need to lie to the Spirit. Because if we do that, then we're putting ourselves, we're, we're messing up our alarm system. And listen, I know if you're saved, you know what I'm talking about. There's something that'll happen and you'll get to a situation and the alarm will start going off. I had some, some recently happened and I'm talking about it was almost like somebody here pulled the fire alarm in school. Anybody ever done that? I'm not going to admit to that. I think that's a crime. I don't want to admit to that. Again, I don't know the statutes of limitation in Georgia. So, but, when you, when, but, but I'm talking about if you're a child of God, there's an alarm built in that says this is not good. You better back up. You better back up. You better stop that. You better, you better be careful. You don't need to be around them. You don't need to be involved in this. And, we, and we'd be wise if we listen when God sound the warning in our heart. And why is the Lord that way? Because He don't want to see us hurt and deal and have to have to suffer because of sin. But tonight in verses 13 through 19, I'm going to talk about David's powerful conquest over sin. David got the victory over his sin. And tonight, it's wrong to say that you cannot sin. The Bible says you say you cannot sin, you're a liar. But it's also wrong to say that you cannot not sin. Now that, that's a double negative. Does everybody pick up what I put down? For someone to say, well, I just can't not sin. I'm just going to keep on. That's wrong. Because I believe as a child of God that we have everything we need. I believe we've got the weapons of warfare that's been given to us. We've got the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. We've got our loins girded about with truth and our feet shot with preparation. I think we can win. We don't have to be defeated. I think Jesus preordained, I believe, for every one of His children to live a life of victory, not defeat. So we can have victory over sin. I believe the devil beats us down sometimes and convinces us that, that, that defeat is just, it's just going to be, well, that's just our life. 
And it gets us where we just accept being losers, if you would, spiritually speaking. I don't like being a loser to you, and I surely don't want to be a loser when it comes to sin. Do you know this, Brother Jason? Sin has defeated the the vast majority of all the people who's ever lived. The vast majority, Brother Larry, of mankind lost to sin. Right now in the world, I don't know how many billions in the world right now, but if you were to go across this world and do a survey, you would find that the vast majority of people in the world are losing the fight. They're losing the battle. They're defeated by sin. They're, I mean, the score is, 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 is they're, they're getting blown out by sin. Amen. Thank God, as David here, he won a victory. Now, David was a fighter. I mean, David, in fact, you study the Old Testament, you'll find God like people would fight. I'm not talking about going out here and picking fights, but I'm talking about fighting for the right things. And David was a warrior. He was a man that knew how to go to war. He, I mean, he was a man that knew how to get serious, if you would. He was a man, but here, he was a man. The, the greatest, one man said it like this, the greatest victory David ever won was in Psalms 51. And you might win a lot of victories in your Christian life, but there'll never be greater victory than when you win it over sin. Now, I'm going to try to be quick as I can, as I always try. Maybe I'll figure that out one of these days, but I just want to read you this. I don't want to miss any of this. The Lord gave me a lot on this. Many people seek restoration for the wrong reason. But Ty, there's a lot of people, they want to be restored so the pain will stop. So, so they won't have to keep getting whooped. They, 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 they want to be restored. I wrote this down. So the, the pain will pause. The guilt will be gone. The horror will halt. And the debt will be deleted. But they don't want to be restored so they can live for God and serve Him every day. You want to know why all of us can't have permanent victory over sin in our life? Because all we're wanting to is to get relief from the consequences of sin. We're not interested in being dedicated to God and living for God and honoring God. It's not about what could I be doing for God if I wasn't in this sin. It's just I don't want to be, I don't want to, I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to deal with this sin anymore. And then they come and then they go back and they come. But David here, he was wanting to get right with God. Listen, so that he could better serve the Lord. He said then will I teach transgressors our ways and then sinners shall be converted. He said Lord I want to get right with you so I can do something for you my life. Now I want you to see this. Now that David was right with the Lord his focus had changed. In verse 13 we find that he had a new determination. He could look around again. The Bible says this Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. David didn't say then if if everything's all right, and then if it works out, then if I feel like it, then. He said then. He said once he says when you renew a right in verse twelve he said restore to me the joy of thy salvation uphold me thy free spirit he said and when you restore to me the joy of my salvation and when you hold me up by your free spirit he said then I'm going to teach transgressors thy ways he said I'm going to I, he, he had a new determination he said I'm going to do something for you Lord I'm going to do something what was it he's going to do he was going to go find people 
who were in the same mess he had been in and try to help them to get out like he got out. You know, I believe this with all my heart. And every time I say it, people look at me funny, but I still won't say it again. I believe God saves every sinner with another sinner in mind. I believe he pulls us out, Brother Mark, so we can pull somebody else out. Amen. And David said, I'm determined that I'm going to help these transgressors. I'm going to help these. David had fallen. He had fallen as, fallen as low as anyone ever had fell. But now that God had picked him up and cleaned him up and set him back up on that rock, he said, I'm going to help those that are in the same mess I was in. He said, I'm going to tell them they can be forgiven like I was forgiven. I'm going to tell them. I'm going to help them. I'm going to, he had a determination about him. Amen. You see, listen, you know what sin will do to us? It'll cause us to become self-centered people. For a solid year, David was focused on himself. Every decision he made, I believe, Brother Gossam, was with it, it, it was in consideration of how is this going to cover my sin. Right, right. If I say this, are they going to get? Are they going to? Are they going to know? If I believe he's, he become the, and that's the way sin is. Sin will make you become a recluse, and and you'll become isolated, and it'll only be about you and your situation. But now he's looking around, and he's realizing there's so many around me that need help. He was saying, I'm, "I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying one. I'm not trying to imply at all that what he did was was God ordained. We know that was not, it was of the devil. But he said, now that I'm out, I'm going to try to get somebody else out. Amen. You know, tonight God pulled you out of sin. He lifted you out of miry clay." So that you could reach somebody else. I believe that every creature, every creature, God has the I believe the gospels for every creature. But did you know that, the, that they cannot be reached if there's not somebody who is willing to teach them the ways of God? He said, I'm going to teach transgressors thy ways. Amen. Amen. He said, I'm going to tell them there's another way. They don't have to live this way. They don't have to feel this way. They don't have to go that way. He said, I'm going to teach them your way. And oh, listen tonight, we know this, but I believe David learned the difference between his way and God's way. He said, oh, I don't want them transgressors to stay in that way. I want to be able to be in God's way. One man said it like this. As an expression of gratitude... And as a result of his own painful, painful experience, he would show them from his own experience the evil and bitterness of sin in itself. He would show them with what dreadful consequences sin must always be followed. He would show them the nature of true repentance. He would show them what was required in order that sin might be forgiven. He would encourage them to come to that God who had forgiven them. <laughs> That's what they, he said, then I'll show. You see that? He said, I'll show. I'll teach transgressors our way. And sinners, if you study teach, I, this is where I was getting, when you show teach, it implies setting an example. The greatest teacher that ever lived was Jesus Christ. And he, he, he used examples. He used parables. And he says, I'm going to teach them. Listen, he said, and then shall sinners be converted unto thee. Now look at verse 14. There was a new determination. He could look around. Tonight we need to look around. We need to look around. 
The transgressors don't see that how bad their way is. Because they don't know, they've never experienced. They've never seen what, how good life is on this side of it. But we need to teach them. We need to reach them. We need to help them. And listen to me, there's something deeper than whatever the, you know, we always see the, the fruit of sin in people's lives, but there is a root to that sin. And we need to realize that, listen, if it wasn't but the, for the grace of God, we would still be in that way. He had a new determination. Verse 14 through 15. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. He had a new determination. He could look around, but we see here he had a new celebration. He could look up. Amen. Listen tonight. Listen. David said, I'm going to celebrate my victory. Now, I don't believe in being rude. I believe in good sportsmanship. You know, while the game's going on, we had a little thing. That, anyway, I ain't going to tell that. I don't want to embarrass him. But, but I, I had to teach Drew a lesson about sportsmanship and not celebrate in the game. You celebrate after the game. And I don't know, he, tried, he decided to bust out <laughs> He decided to bust out this dance move. I don't know. You could tell he was 100% Caucasian American. But, but I told him, I said, son, that's disrespectful. You don't, you don't celebrate during the game. You celebrate. Now, them boys have been asking for it, I'm telling you. But anyway, but, but boy, don't, I, I tell you, I, I love watching in a ball game, and one of them close ball games when they go back and forth and back and forth and, and one team takes the lead and then another team takes the lead and then another team, and they're sweating, and they're fighting, they're ripping jerseys. And you may not lie, this just shut your ears for a while. I, I enjoy it. And they're going back and forth and they're, and they're competing with each other. And then there's, there's you know, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, 20 seconds. We, when Georgia played uh, Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl, we was watching that in the house. And we was all sitting there and we was on edge. All of us kids, and they toss, they run a toss sweep to, uh, Saudi Michelle, and when he broke through, I mean, I looked, the Parsons were just shaking. We was jumping up down. And I love watching the joy, the thrill, the excitement, the relief of, 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 of victory. And, and that's exactly what David, he said, oh, I can sing again. He said, I'm going to sing. You know, David, David wrote the songbook of Israel. The majority of the Psalms were written by David, but he couldn't sing because of sin. Isn't that bad when the man that wrote the songs can't sing the song? But now his heart was clear. His sins had been washed away. He said, somebody give me a note on the piano. I'm going to sing. He didn't just say, I'm going to sing. He said, I'm going to sing aloud. Amen. He said, I'm going to sing aloud. And he, I can imagine him walking in there. And not only that, he said this in verse number uh, 15. Oh Lord, open thou my lips. The old devil had sealed his lips for over a year. Every time he went to church, he had his lips sealed, locked jaw. He said, boy, I can't shout. I can't sing. I've been sinned. I'm not going to... I mean, I he said, Lord, open thou my lips. He said this, he said, and he said, I and I will, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. You see, he had his song back, but he had a shout back. Not only was that known for his singing, but he was known for his shout. He was a worshiper. David would embarrass the average Baptist. When he come back from war and they brought the ark of the Lord back, the Bible says he danced before the Lord with all his might. Amen. 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 
All right, that makes me feel nervous every time you say it. But you know what David did? He danced before the Lord. It's funny how people believe the King James Bible until it goes against the tradition they've been taught. But it said he danced before the Lord. That wasn't no shindig. He wasn't two-stepping. He was, I don't even know what the, I can't even say. These new things, these kids are doing so crude, you can't even say what they're called. It's so vulgar. But but Brother Larry, he wasn't buck dancing. He wasn't break dancing. He wasn't moonwalking. He was dancing in the Holy Ghost. Amen. He was celebrating. He was worshiping God. And his old wife, Saul's wife said, if, he said, you look like a foolish man. He said, if you think that was something, just wait till tomorrow. And he come back the next day and he danced twice as much. Before What I'm saying is David was a worshiper. But he couldn't worship because of sin. Brother Mark, I'd like to be in that next service after David got right with the Lord. Brother, and I'd like to be in that service when he walked in. And everybody looked at him and said, boy, he looks different. Man, he's he just got a different glow about him. Oh, he looks like that David we used to know. And he walked in and he told, I don't know how they did. I mean, I've not stayed. Maybe I should do a little bit more research and manners and customs in the Bible. But Brother Aaron, I'd like to have been there the first time after David got right with God. And he cleared his throat and he began to sing a psalm of the Lord and, and listen and worship the Lord. And the first time he threw his hand up with a clear heart. You know, it's so much better to be able to worship God and not be a hypocrite while you're doing it. It's a lot better. And oh, don't you know, he enjoyed that celebration. And listen tonight, we ought to pray for victory. We ought to fight for victory. We ought to labor for victory in our lives over sin so we can come in the house of God and celebrate the victory he's given to us. There was a new celebration. He got a song back. He got a shout back. And that's wonderful tonight. Maybe you've lost your song. Maybe you lost your song. Maybe you lost your shout. You see, you can't lose your salvation, but you can lose your song, and you can lose your shout. You see, how do you know? Because I've lost it. I can't sing, but I've always had a song since I got saved. But there's been times I couldn't. It was gone. And instead of a song, there's just, it's just drear and it's gloom and doom. But David had gotten down on his knees and said, have mercy upon me, oh God. And he confessed his sin to God. He said, y'all better look out next time I come. He said, because I'm going to sing loud. He said, I'm going to let her rip. If you didn't like loud singing, you better not be around David. Because he was going to rear back. He was going to sing with all his heart. And he said, and you also need to be aware of this. That I'm not going to sing. He said, I'm going to shout. I'm going to give him praise. I'm going to thank him that he didn't throw me away. I'm going to thank him that he didn't let me go to my sin. I'm going to thank him that he took me back. He washed me up and he allowed me to be back into the, into the, into the fellowship with him. Amen. That's why we ought to sing. That's why we ought to have a shout in the heart because listen, he's let us come back more than once. Right. Listen to me. He's let us come back over and over and over and over again. And, and listen, we should worship him and celebrate him because of the victory he's given us. Verse 16 and 17, he had a new observation. He could look in. He could look in. It says this, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I give it. Thou liest not in burnt offerings. Sacrifice of God, or a broken spirit, and broken in a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. I wrote this down. David observed, through this experience in his life, he observed that God was not satisfied with the mere ceremonial performance of religious 
rituals. God wanted him to have a good heart. He observed that. He learned. Listen. Verse 16. He learned something about a heart full of guilt. Now I want you to follow me quickly. Thou desirest not sacrifice outside, give it. Thou desirest not burnt offers. Did you know that in the Old Testament there was no sacrifice for presumptuous sin? Deuteronomy 17.12 and says, And the man that will do presumptuously and will not hearken to the priest that standeth to minister there before the Lord thy God or unto the judge, even that man shall die. And David was guilty of presumptuous sin. And listen, David had lived with that guilt. He knew there was a death sentence over what he had done. He's, he had learned something about the heart of guilt. He, he had learned something about having a guilty heart. And listen tonight, if you've got a guilty heart tonight because you've done things and you're in things that are unpleasing to God, listen, that's a terrible way every day, every day that David lived. He felt like that could be the day that he paid for what he had done. There was a death sentence on him. There was no sacrifices, Brother Aaron, for presumptuous sin. If you went to the priest and said and told him, and it was presumptuous, means you planned it, you pre, it was premeditated, you did it, and you drew it out, and like David, they calculated. The priest would just say, "All right, y'all go get the stones. He's dead." And David had lived for that guilt for over a year. But no, listen. Not only did he learn about a heart full of guilt, but he learned about a heart forgiven by. Grace. Verse 17. The sacrifice of God or a broken spirit. A broken, you know what the sacrifice presumptuous sin is? A broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O oh God. Thou wilt not despise. David learned about a heart forgiven by grace. 2 Samuel 12, 13, the Bible says, And David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to him, Here it is. Here's where he learned about this grace. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. That's grace. David under the law deserved to die. Under the law, he, he was sentenced to death. And Nathan, the man of God, saw the broken and the contrite spirit today. What did David, what did David do when he was called out for his sin? What did David do once old Nathan brought the greatest uh, uh, illustrated sermon there's ever been? What did David say? He says, I am the man. He said, All right, it's me. It's me. I sin. Uh, it's me, Nathan. Stop preaching. I don't preach no more. It's me. I'm the man that took that one lamb from that man. I'm that evil man. And Nathan looked at him and he said, Oh, listen. He said, You don't have to go to the priest and get a lamb or a goat or a buck because you've got a broken in a contrite spirit, he says, Thy Lord hath put away your sin because of it. Oh, and listen, that's the grace of God tonight. If you come to the Lord with a broken a contract, a broken heart and a contract spirit, He'll receive you. He will not despise you. He'll forgive you. He had a new observation. I'm done. Believe it or not. The famous last words of every Baptist preacher. Verse 18. Do good and thy good pleasure unto Zion, 
Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifice of righteousness. With burnt offering and a whole burnt offering, then shall they offer bullocks upon the altar. I really want you to listen. This is this Lord really helped me with this and show me some things. David had a new revelation. He could look ahead. When you sin, you can't look ahead because you always got to watch your back. You always got to watch your back. For that year, he had always been looking for one person. Now listen, there was one person in the kingdom that could lawfully, could lawfully bring David under judgment. Now listen, who it was? You want to know who it was? Ahithophel. That was Bathsheba's grandfather. It took a family member could bring him before and bring judgment on him. And listen, Brother Mark, for a year, he was watching his bag. He had sinned and he knew he had sinned. He had covered his sin. But for a year, he had to watch his back. And for where he went, he had to look behind him and make sure if Joab, old Joab carried that letter to Uriah and Joab knew and that man, that unnamed man, that unnamed servant who David, who David told to go fetch Bathsheba who said she belongs to Uriah. Remember that? Remember that? Second Samuel chapter 11. Listen, I, don't you know every time David turned around, he was looking for that man. Say, I wonder if he told on me. I wonder if they know. Everywhere he went, he looked behind him. He wondered, I wonder if they know. I wonder if they know. But now that he's forgiven, now that he's got right with God, now that he's aired it all out and he's cleaned it all up and he's been clear and plain with God, he don't have to keep, he don't have to watch his back. You want to know why? Because he knew God had his back. He said, I can look ahead. And we read these verses. Instead of looking around and looking back and worrying about it, he starts looking ahead. And he says, do good, not good pleasure and desire. That's, he's looking ahead. He's looking ahead. He said, Lord, I want you to do good. I want you to do good. And then he says, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He's looking ahead. He, in fact, if you want to get, I believe the literal interpretation of this is this. He's looking ahead so far. He's looking into the millennial kingdom. Amen. That's what I believe he's talking about. <laughs> we can talk about Anyway, I'm not going to get into that, but when he talks verse 19 about the sacrifices and the burnt offering, that's going to go on in the new kingdom. The millennial kingdom, that's going to go on. It's going to be like the Lord's Supper. It's going to be a token, a memorial to the cow, to cross Jesus died on. They're not building that temple. That temple's not going to be just sit there for decoration. It's going to be used. Anyway, we'll talk about that in Revelation. We'll get into Revelation. But anyhow, I want you to see this. In this Revelation, now quickly... <sighs> He learned, he, there was a revelation about the will of God in David's life. In verse 18, he says, Do good in thy good pleasure in Zion. Do good in thy good pleasure. When I read that, it reminds me of the Lord's Prayer where he says, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy good pleasure. Do what you want with Zion. Zion is another word for Jerusalem, the holy city. David was the king of Israel. He lived in Jerusalem. He was the boss. I mean, he was the boss. He was over, he, what he said went. And here's what he was saying. Lord, I don't want my will done in Jerusalem. I want your will done. He learned about the will of God. Listen, David looked ahead and realized that all he wanted for the rest of his life was that which pleased the Lord. He said, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do on design, but whatever you do, I want to do that. I want you to do that which pleases you and not me. Boy, isn't it wonderful when we get in that place in our life where we want nothing but the will of God for our life? 
where we don't listen, listen, we don't try to manipulate and we don't try to twist and turn and force and, fo- and, 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 and try to make God perform our will. You understand? They, Jesus said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Most of us pray, my will on earth, let it be done in heaven as it is on earth. And that don't work. There's only one way to have a happy and spirit-filled and anointed and abundant Christian life. And that's to say, do good in thy good pleasure. Whatever you want to do inside whatever you want to do in my life you do it if it pleases you it pleases me that's the only way we can live and experience everything God wants in the Christian life a revelation about the will of God but then look at verse 18 a revelation about the walls of God this will make Democrats nervous but y'all just just hang on bite your nails twiddle your thumbs sweat bullets build thou the walls of Jerusalem Build out the walls of Jerusalem. Now listen. When David wrote this, the walls were in good shape. Now here's what I believe. Now we know in the millennial kingdom, they're going to rebuild the walls. There's going to be, there's going to be, the, the gates are going to be set back up. I, I mean, we're going to get into it. Y'all just hold on. We got like 19 chapters to go in Revelation. And, uh, but anyhow, y'all know, we may be in the millennial kingdom before we get there. But the truth of the matter is, but when we get there, when we get there, I'll walk y'all around and say, I told y'all there's walls. I mean, listen, everybody's against walls. There was walls in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. God, listen, the Bible says the, Lord, the angel of the Lord guarded the gate. You know, what kind of gate, what good is a gate without a wall? Not as good as our wall down there right now with all the holes in it. But anyhow, but, but there was a gate. There was a gate. There, did you know there, there's, a, there's gates in heaven? There's walls in heaven? Do you know there's walls in hell? Jesus said the gates of hell. The gates of hell. The walls in hell are not to keep people from getting in. It's people from getting out. But then I believe what he's talking about. I don't believe he's talking about the walls of heaven and the walls of hell. But I believe he's talking about the walls of his heart. Now follow me. Jerusalem was the heart of Israel. As things went in Jerusalem, so it went in Israel. It's where all the decisions were made, Brother Aaron. It's where all the battle. That's where they made. That's where the. That's where the temple. That's where the temple was. That's where the worship was. Where the king was. That was the center. And, and I believe there's an application here. And, and I hope this is not. I believe this is accurate. But 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 in sinning with Bathsheba, David had torn down some walls in his heart, and he was saying, "God, please build those walls back so I don't do it again." You see, if you. I want to be careful what I say. I've seen this in my life. A young girl or a young boy commits some type of sin. Brother Dave, you've probably seen it. And they go out and they spend the rest of their life committing that sin. They never come back. And I believe, I mean, I've really studied hard on this and prayed and meditated. Whenever we sin, there's a wall that falls. And, and if we don't ask God to build it back, guess what we'll do? We'll keep doing the same thing. David said, I want you to build back those walls around my heart. I know I've crossed some lines I shouldn't have crossed and I've done some things that I shouldn't have done and I've tasted some forbidden fruit that you didn't want me to taste. But Lord, I want you to build my heart back. I want you to build the walls back so I don't go down and do this again and make the same mistake over. 
He learned about the wall of God, the will of God. He learned revelation about the walls of God. There was revelation about the worship of God. Listen, verse 19. So the verse says, Do good and thy good pleasure in Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then, after he had accepted, he wanted the will of God. And after this, about the walls, he said, Now, then, after that, then thou shalt be pleased. With sacrifice of righteousness and with burnt offering, the whole burnt offering, then shall they offer books upon an altar. Now follow me. I'm done. For real this time. David realized that only when God's will is accepted and done in our lives and the walls are standing around our heart is He pleased with our works and our worship. We got it backwards. We've twisted this thing so much, we're doing it backwards. We, we think that if we do what we're supposed to do, then we'll be what we're supposed to be. But the Bible teaches the exact opposite. You can do the right things as much as you want, and it'll never make you the right person. You see, you can change your conduct and never change your character. The Bible teaches that we must change our character in order to change our conduct. The noun always comes before the verb. Jesus told him in Luke 24, He said, you shall be witnesses unto me. Witness, no, He said, you shall be witnesses of me. Then in Acts chapter 1, He said, you shall be witnesses unto Jerusalem. You said, now listen, what He was telling the disciples, you are a witness before you can be a witness. You understand what I'm saying? In order to, in order to witness, you must be a witness. You must witness something before you can witness of it. You understand what I'm saying? And David said, Lord, I've learned something. You've shown me something. There's been a revelation. It doesn't matter how clean. And I'm not downplaying clean living. And I'm not, clean, I'm not downplaying righteousness and holiness. The Lord knows. But true righteousness, Brother Justin, and true holiness comes from the heart. And if my heart's right, then it's going to come out in my works. Nobody lived better than the Pharisees lived. None of them. Jesus said one time, except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees. They're, they were the standard. I mean, they were the standard. But yet they were wicked and on their way to hell. Why? Because they thought that if they did this and they did that and they didn't do this and they didn't do that, then all of a sudden it would make them righteous. And that's not the way God put And David learned that only when I have when I'm, when I'm doing according, when I've accepted your will, do good and not good pleasure, and when those walls are bitter on my heart, around my heart, he said, then thou wilt be pleased with burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, I don't know if that's as clear to you as it was to me, but it was almost like, you know, you have one of them moments where you're like, huh. you know what I'm talking about? One of them, like, the light comes on, you know what I mean? Like, you know, the bulb, you know what I mean? It was like that, Brother Ty. It's like, huh. That's awful simple, but how come it's so hard for us to figure out? You know why? Because this is it. Look at verse 16. I'm going to show you. I'm done. Again, this is the third done y'all have gotten tonight. I'm a lot of, I've used all my allotted duns. But you can't keep them. Might as well use them. So, you only get three of service, like timeouts. But, for thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Think about this. It'd be a lot easier for David just to take a lamb up there 
or a goat. Hey, even a book. But it would have been a lot easier and a lot less embarrassing. But he said, if that would please you, then I'd have done it. But it's not what he did God wanted. He didn't want God, God didn't want him to do something. He wanted him to, he wanted him to get his character to be changed. And then his conduct would be right.